0: Our nation is completely divided, not, by, not, not by, 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 by parties, but by ideology. Two totally different views. And one side is totally convinced, and they're arguing, they're convincing, and they're doing. But just because you can win the debate doesn't mean you're right. And it doesn't matter whether it's in that issue of life or whether it's in the arena of faith. All the different arenas of faith, all the different doctrines, all the different churches, all the different viewpoints, I don't care. You can get together with people of a different denomination. You can get together with people with what we would call cults. or different. They're convinced, man. They're going to tell you. They're going to argue. It says here, it says here, it says here. Good argument, but you don't have to convince me. I'm not the one you need to convince. You need to bring that before God. Are you with me? For when it comes to matters of faith and original intent, our argument, our debate, is never with man, but with God, His Word, and His declared intention for man. Only His Word is truth. And we've been saying that to our men in our discipleship. We've been going through this and looking at this. And I'm saying, you know what? It's important. Every one of us in here has a belief system. but, But the Word of God is an amazing filter. And when you begin to pour your word, excuse me, your beliefs through the word of God, it's amazing that some of it can be completely filtered away. Amen. It just won't, pass, it won't make it through. It'll be completely kept out. Amen. So watch this. We never have to prove to man that we are right. I'm not here today to prove to you that, that, that my beliefs, my doctrine, I'm only here to declare God's word to you. And, and, and that's why when I preach, I try to give you as much scripture as I can. I want to say that. Just go back to the Word. If I tell you something that isn't in the Word of God, please throw that away. But if I give you God's Word, you don't have a debate with me. You have a debate with God. If I, if I show it to you in the Bible, if I'm just reading the Bible, I'm declaring to you what the Word of God says. Your controversy and your debate is not with me. God has declared His intention concerning you. Jesus said it like this. He sent out His disciples and said, when you go into a city and you preach the gospel, if they receive you, then abide there and be welcomed into a home and let your peace settle there in that home. But if they don't receive you, walk out, shake off the dust, and go on your way to the next town. He said, hey, your debate isn't with them. You're, not there. You're there to declare God's intention for man on my behalf. And if they receive you, good, if not, shake it off, go on to the next person. Because God, you've heard me say it before, God will never debate with you. He will always demonstrate who He is. When God sent Moses to lead His people out, He said, hey, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to show, I'm going to demonstrate myself ten times. I'm not going to debate. I'm just going to say, let them go. And if you don't obey and and agree with my intention for my people, then I will demonstrate to you who I am. And it would be wisdom to agree before you get to ten. Moses probably should have thrown that in at one. He says, I think you might get ten tries at this. My advice is jump in on one. Amen? But they didn't. Are you with me? So God doesn't debate with us like that. When we present our evidence and the facts of our case before men, we forget that it is not man who will be judged, but God. Again, look at Genesis chapter 1, then watch. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. So let me put that. God's original intent for you was to be made in His likeness and His image. How many would you agree? So, if we go back to the beginning, what did God originally do? And then He meant that we would be a people of dominion and authority. How many know that God has dominion and authority? So we're made in. He created a place called Earth. I love what Pastor Filke said. That God interrupted. i just love this statement. It's so clear that God interrupted eternity, and He created a space called time. And in that space of time, He created a place called Earth. And on that earth, he created a race called man. And so, man is here in this parenthetical space of time in eternity, and God is working in him, and God is doing something specific in him, and time is going to come to an end. This parenthetical space of time comes to an end, and then eternity takes over again. This time is just a space. We said it this morning in the discipleship class. God does not create death. God is not the author of death. He is life. And He is life. In Him is no darkness at all. Are you with me this morning? He, he is just life. God cannot create death. So to God, when He says something is death, He said it's something out of His immediate presence. When Adam and Eve sinned, they died, and God sent them out of the garden, away from His presence, and put a barrier from them coming back into His presence. And now that you and I are born again and made alive unto God, what are we given access to? His presence. And life in God is being able to abide in Him, in His presence, being reconciled back to Him, being joined back to Him. So now we have life in Him. But anything outside of God, he considers dead. Are you with me this morning? So God created man in His image, like in dominion, and He created them to multiply and to be fruitful and then to replenish the earth. And, and, and that's the plan for man, that we be productive. Go with me to Romans chapter 3. I hope you love the Word of God as much as I do. I love just getting in and peeling it open and finding out, God, let me see some more. After all these years, show me something else. Amen. Romans chapter 3, and look at verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Paul speaking about the Gentiles and the Jews. For we previously shared, charge both Jews and Greeks that they are all under what? sin as it is written there's none righteous no not one there's none who understands there's none who seeks after god they have all gone out of the way they have all together become unprofitable there's none who go who does good no not one their throat is an open tomb wow Their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lip, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. How many know that's all? Those are all references to Old Testament scriptures, and Paul's bringing in the present reality of his day. But I'm telling you, that's a word for today just as well. That's where we are. Amen. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, now watch this, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world, if I say all the world, not just the Jews, but that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. In other words, when God judges, he's going to judge righteously. And in dealing with us, our argument is never with men, but before God. When when we come up with, this is what I do, this is what I believe, I'm glad for you. Live any way you want, but you do not have to convince me. I believe this is okay. I believe God understands. I'm glad you believe that. But you don't have to convince me. And in fact, if you're trying to convince me, you're not sure. Sure. Because when you know that you... I don't have to say anything. That's why they marveled at Jesus. When Jesus was being accused, He didn't answer them anything. Whatever you're saying, that does not pertain to me. I'm not going to give it audience. I'm not going to give it creed. That doesn't pertain. Now, when you ask me a direct question, are you the Son of God? When they got direct, it was something they needed. Yes, I am. As you say, that is it. But when Pilate said, don't you know I have power over you? Jesus said, well, let me just correct you here just for a moment. You have no power over me unless it was given to you by my Father in heaven. If I pray right now, God will send legions of angels and deliver me. Pilate says, I think I'm going to let the guy go. And Pilate comes back and says, I find no fault in him. So listen to what I'm saying. When you know you're at right standing, you're not arguing with men. Jesus was not debating with Pilate. He wasn't debating with his accusers. He wasn't justifying anything that he does. But when we, when we get into a level where we feel like we have to justify with man, I, am, I submit to you that you are not living to your original intent. Because when you know that you're living how God ordained you to live and created you to live, there is a freedom in that. And it doesn't need to be defended. Are you with me this morning? Think about it. A convincing argument and a life lived by conviction and conformed to the truth that we boldly espouse and live is not proof that we are right. Wow. Wow. Only what we are convinced and committed to, what we think, is the truth. If you're living like that, that just means you're convinced and you're committed to living that. But that doesn't mean that it is the truth. In the end, all men will stand before God and give an account. Wow. Now, I'm reading this to you and bringing this, because last week we talked about reconciliation. And we're going to get to it here in just a moment. Stay with me. But go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 18. Pastor, you say, why is this so important? Why do we need to hear this? I believe that we're getting ever closer day by day. When I said that God, and Pastor Filkey made that statement, that God interrupted eternity and created a space called time, I believe we're closer to the end of the space called time than we have ever been before. I'm not an end time prophecy guy that looks at every little thing going on in the the Middle East and goes, hey man, this is it, get ready, do that. I still believe in the rapture of the church. I still believe that the church has an ordained purpose apart from the nation of Israel. We are grafted in, but we have not taken their place. Amen. We are not spiritual Israel, and they are cast away. They are still His people. He still has an everlasting covenant with them. He is going to fulfill that covenant with them. And besides that, if all Israel got saved, there'd be nobody left here to fulfill prophecy. saying, amen. amen. A Jewish guy challenged a Christian with that one day. You want to get us all saved, who's going to fulfill the word? Amen. But Israel is different than the church. Amen? And so with that, but I believe we are close to that end time. And in the last days, the Bible says that strong delusion will come. So the closer we get, deception gets stronger. And every time I say that word, I say the only problem with deception is, is that it's deceiving. You will never talk to a deceived person who will admit that they're deceived because they're deceived. I didn't mean to go so deep on you, but that's just the truth. Amen? <laughs> so what? Matthew chapter 18, and look at verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and, for, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now listen to these next couple of verses. Therefore the kingdom of heaven... It's like a certain king who wanted to settle what? Account. Everybody, person, look up here. I'll take my glasses off so you're not blurry. There will be a day when every person, every one of you, me, all of us, will stand before God and settle our account. That's it. God will come to settle accounts. On that day, it will not be how convincing your debate is. It will not be how strongly you believe what you believe. But I really believe that I believe. Good for passion, that's good. But he will settle accounts. And it will be according to his bookkeeping, not ours. Amen? If you've ever, I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but one of the things almost everybody fears is a tax audit. Because we think my deductions were clear. And I hope they see it the same way. Because if not, are you, are you alright? Okay, stay with me. And that's kind of the way we approach God. Oh, I'm sure God will accept my deductions. But it says, He came to settle accounts with His servants. And when He had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to Him who owed Him 10,000 talents. Now, just to give you a picture of that, that in our currency, that would be billions a day. A talent, uh, uh, the average talent was 75 pounds. The temple talent was 150 pounds, or as much as a grown man could carry. In this case of gold. So this guy had 10,000 times 150 pounds of gold as a debt. Can you say insurmountable? Amen? And he comes and he asks for forgiveness and the Lord forgives him. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 While we were yet sinners while we were in complete debt beyond our ability to ever reconcile God commended His love towards us and demonstrated His love for us and wiped our account clean. Paul in Romans 5 explains this parable. And you've been wiped clean. Now please let me explain to you like this. When you were at your worst, God loved you as much as He loves you now. Not when you got a little better. But when we were totally in debt beyond ability... He said, your account is clean. He put all your debt on Christ and completely forgave you. And then he says, and and I said it last week, forgiveness, true forgiveness is not something that we give. I have to read it, so I don't want to say it wrong. True forgiveness is for the sake of restoration is when you take the blame when you're not at fault. The master forgiving the servant, he didn't accumulate that debt. The servant did. Jesus didn't accumulate your sin, my sin. You did We did. I incurred my own debt. But yet he... True forgiveness is when you take the blame when you're not at fault. Listen to me. For the sake of restoration. Jesus took the blame for you and for me so that we could be reconciled to God. Because the imbalance of our account made it impossible for us to be reconnected with God's original intent for our creation. Are you with me? So Jesus came to take everything out of the way and He became our door into reconciliation. Are we doing all right? Praise the Lord. So for you and I, it's important to understand that we give that account. All men, mankind will be judged by His Word and His Word alone. For it, in it, God has clearly declared His original intent. The Word of God. How important. As a pastor, I've been saved for 34 years in just a couple weeks. December 13th, came my life to Christ, 1978. 34 years. Awesome. And I barely have a grip on this word. It is so important that you get a hold of God's word. I posted, I think Jenny sent me the email, but, but, but I copied the picture and I put it on, uh, of Albert Einstein, and I put it on my Facebook page that said that technology will come to a place where technology will produce a nation of idiots. And I'll tell you right now, it's evident in the last election. we got half a country stuck on stupid. Because of ignorance. And be, and be, now listen, because of a convincing argument and convincing precision and, and, and dedication to it, commitment to it, and an argument, and, and I can win the debate and I can prove my point. But it's still not the truth. Are you with me? So stay with me here. Paul's declaration to the church at Rome was that he was not ashamed of the gospel, for it was the power of God unto salvation. Or in other words, it was the truth declaring God's plan of restoration, of reconciliation for mankind to his original intent. Man has become increasingly unaware that there has been a well-devised plan to desensitize and separate him from the truth of God's original intent for his life. We forget, we talked about it with the men this morning, we forget that there is a sworn enemy to our soul. Look at it in your outline here. The devil hates God's original intent for man. As the deceiver, he works tirelessly and relentlessly to move man as far away from it as possible. He works to convince man that his self-conceived way is as good as God, and that God will accept him just because his way is good. Do you know how many people think, I, I'm, I'm, living, I'm, I'm living as good as I can for God. God did not call you to live good for Him. He called you to live according to His original intent. Jesus didn't die just to make us good. He died to completely reconcile, wipe out our debt. So that we could be born brand new and live a new life, a redeemed life, a restored life unto God. Amen. Not just made better. So think about it. Just look how far we've come in only a few years. The new level of tolerance that we are being told to accept and embrace as approved lifestyle, conduct, and behavior, as original intent. We're being told man was made this way, that this is okay. Just look at our media and what our kids look what our children are being marketed. Look, at if, if you try to find a family movie, a family cartoon Disney movie, there is perversion at the lowest level. Yeah. And you go back, you know, and, and we don't go back and we think, well, that's being old-fashioned. And so, and so then we get back into that If I, I never say that word right. But, 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 but applying that that's not, those standards aren't relative to where we are today, which means that we're redefining. And when we redefine, we say, God accepts this. God says, No, I only accept my original intent. Are oh, we doing okay? Now, I'm presenting this to you, and you will choose. My job is only a choice, is to present a choice. You choose. You choose. A pastor gets carried away. Sometimes. But hopefully, because of the word. Are you with me? Think about it. It's staggering to say the least. How many grew up with Ozzy and Harriet? And then we went to the next generation Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) Now we have The Simpsons and then everything else. And now we have The Walking Dead. Some of the hottest things, uh, um, you know, that we're doing. Now what? Everything. We're becoming so insensitized. Yeah. We have Christians totally enamored with the Twilight series. Blood-sucking vampires. So, 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 so Hollywood has glamorized demonic activity. Yeah. Yeah. And what it means is it's not that bad. And, and now, listen, I'm not preaching standards. You draw your own line. Go watch Bloodsuckers. I could care less. Amen. If I want to watch a demon movie, I want to watch Lord of the Rings where you kill the demons. Come on. Let's kill some orcs. Ah, I'm into that. All right? It's cool. Good triumphs over devils. Amen. And so, you know, J.R. Tolkien, he kind of had it kind of weird, but it was cool. Amen but I'm not going to watch it where a girl falls in love with a vampire and then they have this thing and it's honeymoon. Oh, it's real love. No, you're deceived. you got a dog sucking on your neck. Amen. Listen, listen. There's so many things about our life that you were not intended to live like that. Years ago, Pastor friend of mine, his son raised up and his son just one day had a great music gift went out and said, Dad, I'm going to go pursue my career. Just went out and went back to Chicago and got caught up in all this stuff and was in a mess and he called home. Vernon Owens was his name. He passed away. He said to his son, when his son called, he says, Son, hear me, you were created For better than this. You were created for better. Can I just tell you. My whole message to you in this is. You were created for better. God's original intent for our life. When you understand reconciliation. Let me finish just these couple points. And hopefully bring it into clarity. I look at this. Think about God's original intent for our life. Look at our nation. How many know this. What we have today is not the original intent of our founders but we're being told this is what it means. Listen, the same thing that's happening with the Word of God is what they're saying with the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States is not a living document. Because if it's a living document, it's ever-changing and adapting to the culture of its day. It did not establish. It was a document that declared what this nation would be founded about. It would be the foundation, and you would not erode the foundation, or else the whole structure would fall. And that's where we're heading today. That's why we we were never meant to be a democracy. We, we were founded as a republic. We are not a democracy. We are the republic. Of the United States, not the democracy of the United States. But gradually by time, we think we're a democracy. The United States is not a democracy. Democracies fail. Because you read it uh, 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 to Tocqueville when he came, Alexis Tocqueville came, and he said a democracy will end as soon as the people find out that they can vote themselves checks out of the Treasury's coffers. And they would continually vote to get more and more. We just did that in the last election. We voted ourselves another check out of the government's coffers, and we're the ones paying into it. We are stuck on stupid. Forgive me, I'm still upset. (laughs) Throw money, not rocks. Okay, watch. Jesus came to reconcile the books and to clear the counts. For man before God. Bill, if you come back to keyboards. When you take your bank statement and bring it into balance, you're reconciling your account. You should get back to zero or to a positive balance. Everybody please look up here. Teenagers, please. You get a bank card. You go, you swipe it at the little ATM thing. Just because it says plus, it doesn't mean you have money. If you haven't reconciled your account, your withdrawals will overrun your deposits. Amen? So you have to go back. You have to reconcile. Is there a deposit to equal my withdrawal? Because if deposits become less than withdrawals, you end up in a negative territory. Amen? Amen? And the only way to do that is you have to put back in. With sin in our life, we got into such a negative. Man got into a territory where he could not reconcile himself. Matthew 18, we read it, that the man was there and he had a debt beyond what he could pay so it could only be forgiven. Write this down. Sin is a debt that can never be repaid. If you're trying to pay for your sin by being good, if you've been bought into the, to, to, to the restructure of God's original tent that you really don't have to be born again, you just have to be a little gooder than you were before, just go to church and be good, be as good as you can be. Jesus did not die for you to be as good as you can be. He died for your account to be completely obliterated, wiped out, clean slate, and you live a brand new person in Him. Amen. Not just a gooder. Amen so you should get back to that place never a negative or you're in trouble everyone becomes nervous at the thought of a tax audit will my returns and my claim deductions be accepted man before God cannot reconcile his own account of his life he needs someone to bring his account back to zero that's why Jesus said I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly meaning to know to experience and live and enjoy all that the creator had in mind for you and designed in you Jesus declared that man was living beneath His original intent. We were created for so much more than what we're living to, but without going back to the place of origin we will never understand how and why we were made and we will never truly comprehend all that we were intended to be in life. Our goal for reaching young people, help a young person find out who they are before the world takes them to a place. Uh, Really our standard is this, if we can reach them before we have to rescue them. And one thing that Jim has done for us, and thank you for supporting the Lord, Jim, and helping us with that outreach. It it, it may seem unusual and and, and unorthodox, but what it has done, it has opened up a door where now Sean has been able to go on every campus in our county and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, he he was just at the freshman class at Union Mine and got to share with the whole freshman class and opened up the mic and kids began to come up and share their testimony. And the Spirit of God fell in that place. But it wouldn't happen without having a way to somehow build a gap and build that relationship. And the gym has made that possible. Thank you for helping us with that. But watch this. I truly believe that we are no longer living in a day when we can be casual or complacent, disengaged, and isolated from our responsibility and God's original intent for our life. I believe that there is a call to arms being issued from heaven. A call to review our stance, renew our desire, replace our apathy with passion, renounce our complacency, return to our first love, and retake the place that is rightfully ours in Christ, restoring what was lost, and reconciling what has been separated from God's original intent. Do you agree this morning? Back to the place where we can once again have boldness before the throne of grace and truly find help in our time of need because of the confidence that we have in Christ, knowing that our account of sin before God has been reconciled in Christ. Hear me, this last part, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 declares that God reached down and with His hands out of the dust of the earth He formed man. And that into that form He breathed the breath of life and man became a living soul. God formed and breathed this life into man. And that was God's original intent for man, how He created him right there. Today, prayer is the place where we allow God to reform us into His image once again and breathe again His life into us so that we become again His man according to His original intent, being born again. If you have your Bible's last scripture, turn to Ephesians 2.10. He'll go ahead it says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works you are his workmanship God made it possible through Christ that when you and I come to him, When we accept Christ, we come to Him. And we come to Him in that place of prayer. And it's that place where we lay down and we just give Him our life again as the dust of the earth. And He reconciles the account of our sin. Cleanses us, absolves all debt against us before Him. And we are justified and acquitted completely in His sight. And we enter into this grace. It's in that place where we allow Him, by His Spirit, to form us anew. One translation says, we are recreated in Him. Formed and born anew.
1: That we may live
0: the life that He pre-planned for us to live. That means God had an original plan for every one of our lives something in our life we couldn't help it little Emmeline was born with it she has a fallen nature and if mom and dad don't treat her right if she's not raised up to know, she'll live with that and that will get hold of her life and it'll take her further and further away from God's original plan for her life and one of these days she'll have to come to herself Come to God in prayer and ask for forgiveness. And God, who has already forgiven her, place His hands upon her life and reform her and breathe into her. And allow her to get back on His original plan, just like He's done for you and me. That's God's plan. But prayer is the place where God reforms us, back to the place where He can breathe once again His life back into us. Think about it. so that we become again His man, according to His original intent. Born again, recreated, reconciled, redeemed, and restored to His path and purpose for our lives according to His original intent. The word intent there means purpose, design, aim, end, objective, and goal. God had all that in mind for you when He formed you. I've been amazed in my life when I came to Christ, I had no idea of God's intent for my life, and I didn't know what God would want me to do in living and honoring Him. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew this, that I came to Him, and I said, God, today I'm giving you my life, and I'm choosing not to take it back. I let you form it. And you breathe into me. And I'll be whatever you want me to be. Because I tried making me. Man can't make himself. God made you for himself. I said it last week. If you go on and read the rest, I left last week's outline on the end of there if you missed last week. But God made you from him for Him. We allow ourselves to be joined back to Him. He gets great joy out of working through us. It's amazing what He wants to do. Maybe you're here today. And you've done everything but place yourself in the hands of God to be formed. done everything but allow yourself to be placed into His hand.